What's up, everyone? Um, welcome to another episode of Writing Friction. Today, I got a pretty, pretty cool guest. Um, his name is Kevin, and he is the co-owner of my favorite bookstore, Green Apple Books. What's up, Kevin? How you doing? Not too bad, man. How are you doing? Thanks for coming on. Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, most definitely. Um, so for people who don't know, uh, Green Apple Books is one of you know my again my favorite bookstore in the country. <laughs> um, they have two locations in San Francisco, one in the Inner Richmond neighborhood and the other one in the Inner Sunset neighborhood. Um, the Inner Sunset one is called Books on the Park. Um, and you guys also just took over Browser Books right on Fillmore Street. That's a fact. We didn't we didn't uh, slap it with the Green Apple name, but uh, uh, keen-eyed shoppers will uh, will notice some uh, some changes that are very Green Apple-y uh, in this store. How did that kind of all go about? How did that happen? Well, it's kind of a funny story. I mean, not not it's a, also a tragic story. Uh, we were meeting with this fellow. When I say me, I mean my partner Pete and I. Okay. Uh, he was he was trying to develop an app to kind of compete, be like to 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 really simplify the book buying process through an app, kind of one 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 button buying where you register at a bookstore and every time you see a book that you want, you just touch that on the app and everything happens automatically. Wow. So he was. He was doing, yeah. It would have been would have been awesome if he could have pulled it off. <laughs> he was doing some uh, research with us, meeting with us, and he grew up at Browser Bookstore. And during one of the talks, he just casually mentioned that he and his father were planning on buying the bookstore. Oh wow! Uh, because the owner, the founder, was terminally ill okay. and was looking to unload it. And he he mentioned that he and his father didn't really want to buy the bookstore, but they wanted to save it. Oh, re- oh okay. So, so that's how it happened. Yeah, and so Pete and I were kind of like, well, well wait now, um, you know, if you're looking for a partner, maybe we could go in on that with you. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he said, no, actually, if you want to buy it, just you do it. We don't <laughs> really know how to run a bookstore. Yeah. So that's how it came about. That's crazy. I mean, I moved to San Francisco um, a little over nine years ago, and the first bookstore I ever walked into was Browser Books. Um, I actually, um, yeah, what I, I, I'm actually looking at the book. I bought the book Songwriters on Songwriting by Paul Zillow. Um, it's like okay. a, it's like a collection of interviews. You know, he interviews Bob Dylan, Joan Baez, you know, all those people um, about how they you know, write that songs. You remember that. Yeah, I mean, at this point, I. I I can look at every book on my bookshelf, tell you where I bought it, what yeah. year, you know what I mean? It's like, again, and you owning one of my favorite bookstores, it's like you live around books, and I'm always talking about how important books are, just, you know, just the vibe of books, even as an art form, um, you know, having books on your shelves, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, you live in one of my dreams, you get to be surrounded by books all day. <laughs> yeah. Um, so is that one of, I mean, you know, I got a couple of questions, but is that one of kind of the cool things about being part of owning a bookstore? Um, well, you, know. you know, like any job, it's one of those things that becomes a job. Most definitely. So I'm sure that if you are, uh, you know, uh, uh, a high fashion photographer or something, <laughs> you know, it's just a job. Yeah. You know, at first, you, you know, at first you're kind of starstruck or something, but then it's just, you know, it's another day at the office. And, um. And I do actually sometimes have to remind myself that 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 it's more than just a job. That that it you know not it, that it's actually kind of a sacred trust to to take care of this this store and to make sure it stays healthy and continues on for the next generation. You know, and and sometimes you get a little frustrated and you're ready to throw in the towel and mm-hmm. you're like, well, I can't I can't do that. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's green apple and and uh, 
And so, yeah, I do have to remind myself sometimes that, that I'm very lucky to, you know, to own Green Apple. How, how long have you been Green Apple every day? Yeah. How long have you been involved with the store just in general? I, I started working there in 1987. The year I was born. <laughs> the year you were born, yeah. Um, I started working there part-time. I worked there for about three years. Uh-huh. Um, met the woman who would become my wife. And, so everyone's uh, love story. <laughs> yeah, actually, actually, we probably have a half dozen marriages and several children that have come out of, uh, come out of the store. No way. Oh, absolutely. Oh, that's yeah. unbelievable. Um. And then I, I left for a few years because we thought we shouldn't work together. And then I came back as the general manager of the store at a time when the owner, the founding owner, was looking to pass it on. Okay. And so he, he kind of put together two other employees and myself and structured this deal where we could buy it basically with sweat equity um, without having to go to the bank because we were all just three poor booksellers. Most definitely. But, yeah, but he he basically structured it so that you know we just paid him over ten years and and uh, and at the end of that we owned the store and so it worked out great for him. It worked out great for us. Yeah, no, it, that that's a beautiful story. You said um, book buying. Were you working at some point as a book buyer at Green Apple Books? Yeah, I've I've pretty much done everything. I started mm-hmm. off. I was the remainder buyer, and then I was the general manager, and then I was the buyer. You know you. You mentioned in your email that you talked to Frank when yeah. you got your own book into the mm-hmm, store. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then Frank took over. Frank was Frank is kind of a legendary buyer. He's he's worked at a couple other big stores in the Bay Area. Okay, he's been, oh. he's been longer than I have, and oh. uh, he, he's pretty well known. You know. Well, I was gonna say when I came trying to set, so I, so the reason Green Apple holds a you know holds dear to my heart is you guys were the one bookstore who really kind of you know, rallied around my book when I released it three weeks before the world ended. <laughs> uh, but that thing, I'm sorry. I actually have a story about that. Okay. I'm li- 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 please share. I, I don't know. I don't know. You was never met. I didn't, um, I never heard of your book, but after we closed down for the pandemic, I was the only employee going into the store trying okay. to fill online orders and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And we kept getting orders for your book. Huh. And I'm like, and I'm like, what is this kid <laughs> thing? And and I kept filling orders, and then we ran out. And we had to get more in, and and so I really noticed it because I I, I had no idea how it got into the store. Um, well, that's a funny that story. Frank. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's definitely true though because I remember it very specifically. Like, wow, we're getting a lot of orders for this. That's book. I dope. What the story is. Yeah, no, I mean, so well, so you mentioned Frank, and really, my thing was um, when I went in to sell that book to Green Apple, I. Frank just happened to be working that day. Um, I had never met Frank before, um, so I kind of just nervously walked up to him. Long story short, my, you know, I wrote a boxing book. Frank is, a, I guess, a huge boxing fan. So him and I ended up talking for like 20 minutes about like boxing and UFC. Um, but then what happened when I was leaving the store, and I think this kind of maybe cemented his, you know, appreciation for me as a, you know, maybe a writer, you guys on the other. So people, again, for people who don't know, green apple books is split into t- the main place. The main branch is split into two sections. You have the, you know, the new side and essentially the you side, right? I mean, that's kind of one way to put no, it. No, actually the main, the main store and then the annex is, um, the annex. Fiction, fiction and music, but we have new and used in both. Stores. Okay. No, thanks for the yeah. correction. So I was yeah. in the annex and in the annex, you guys, I don't know if you, I think you still have it, but you had, um, 
the, you know, the best book of the year for the last, you know, 30, 40 years or something like that. Do you know what I'm talking about? Because right. we just we, when we had our 50th anniversary recently, mm-hmm. we put this display together of the yeah. best book from each of our 50 years. Exactly. And we kept that going. Now we've got it at the best book from each of our 53 years. Okay, cool. So, yeah. so the reason Frank and I hit it off was because I think, and I'm going to get the year wrong, I think it was 19... Oh, 76 you guys had you had the sports writer by richard ford sports writer yeah which i thought was an interesting choice because you know when people think of him they think of independence day which won the pulitzer prize for um the sports writer was his first book and a book that i actually enjoyed more um and then frank and i just i kind of mentioned that to frank and he kind of you got a little smile on his face um and we kind of you know hit it off that way uh but i thought that was a great display you guys have yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. No, it's kind of just a great way to kind of just, you know, again, a lot, I feel, you know, you correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, I read, a, spend a lot of my time reading books, um, but, you know, for the for the average person walking into a bookstore, do you think they know what it is they want to buy when they walk in? Or do you think a lot of it is just simply we're browsing through if something kind of catches our eye? You know, in your experience, what is it like more? Well, I... I don't know what percentage of them, of customers come in looking for a specific book versus mm-hmm. open to something. But actually, when I'm training like my employees on how to how to merchandise a section, I always tell them there's two kinds of customers. <laughs> there's one who knows what they're looking for, and in that case, all you have to do is make sure your section is alphabetized yeah. and logical. Yeah. And then there's the one who doesn't know what they're looking for, and mm-hmm. that's the one you can you know have your books faced out like unusual, interesting, out of the, you know, out of the ordinary books, uh, faced out with shelf talkers. And that's like, I always say, that's where you're, that's where the fun is. Like, yeah. like the person who knows what they're looking for, it's pretty easy to get that for them if you have it. But it's mm-hmm. the people who, who don't know what they're open, looking for, who are open to, you know, chance. Yeah. That's the ones you can like, that's the ones who you can actually put a book into their hand that you you love. And so as a bookstore owner and as a previous book buyer, do you know when you're, you know, again, I'm just speaking from someone who doesn't really know the kind of back workings of it all. You know, when a book comes out that the publisher is pushing hard, you know, like it's going to be on the front shelf of every single bookstore in the nation. Um, how does Green Apple work with those publishers? Do publishers kind of contact you directly? Do you deal with literary agents? How do these big books kind of come about and get onto your shelves? Well, we, the, the, every, you know, because we're a, a, a major bookstore, yeah. we see sales reps from every publisher for mm-hmm. the most Um, and they come in and, you know, they, they don't come in anymore, but they used to come in <laughs> and, uh, and, and, we, you know, they send us promotional material and, and they'll present us, you know, all the, all the information they think we need. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of, you know, when the, it's like any, any buyer, you know, sales rep relationship yeah. where, where there are going to be things that they really think you should get. And there's some of them you're going to say, you know what, I don't think I can sell that. Mm-hmm. And some of them, some of those, they'll say, no, I think you should take it. And you'll, based on your relationship, you'll say, yeah, yeah okay, I'll take it based on our previous history. Um, so you'll hold trust things. with these individual sellers, okay. these individual you know, reps? We have, a, we have with long relationships with all of them, yeah. Okay. Um, and so, you know, you just, they know that they know what the store can sell. They're not interested in, in loading us up with a bunch of books that we can't sell. They know there's different markets for every book and that something that might sell really well 
you know, nationally, um, isn't necessarily going to sell in, in the Richmond district. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> but, uh, then there's also things that maybe don't have a chance to sell nationally at all. Like this little book fight kid. That, yeah. Tell uh, me about it. That, uh, that, uh, you know, local guy wrote it and, uh, and, uh, you know, we think it's a green apple kind of book and, you know, so the rep, that's the kind of thing the rep will know. Cause we had no idea who the author of that book was. Most right? definitely. So if a rep was coming in to sell it, he would be the person or they would be the person to tell us, you know, to give us that extra information. Like, Oh, this is a local author. Got a lot of local connections, does a podcast. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we think you're going to sell this book. Very cool. So uh, let me, let me use a for instance. So a, a book I loved, a book that you couldn't really escape in the year 2018, 2019, and a local author, um, They're There by Tommy Orange, right? That's a yeah. bo- great book. Obviously, it's written, it's based in Oakland, California. He's a local yeah. guy. Um, does a book like that, do the publisher, does the rep kind of come with you with that specific book, knowing it's a Bay Area thing? I mean, are you pushing that book extra hard? I mean, it's a great book. In that case, the publisher had it pegged as a major title. Exactly. Had, you know, they, they they came to us with a large with a large print run, a large promotional budget, mm-hmm. and said, you you know, you need to take a position on this book. Mm-hmm. And um, and they, you know, we didn't push back on that one at all. Of course, you know, it was like it just, you know, and then they, you know, they send out early galleys in case somebody reads it or whatever. I don't know if anybody at our store read it before it was published, but. Um, uh, it, it just had a lot going for it. Yeah, no, know? most definitely. Yeah, um, so so that was an easy one. Yeah, the more... But I'll tell you one I remember please. when I was a buyer. I remember uh, sitting down with my Simon & Schuster rep, and mm-hmm. she had this book with this weird title. And I think she remembers it differently because she says she pushed me on it. Okay. I don't remember her pushing me on it, but I love the title so much that I thought, okay, I'll take five. And that book was a heartbreaking work of staggering. <laughs> and, and I bought it specifically. I had no idea who the author was. Yeah. I, I, I knew um, my, my partner, not partner then, he was just a, my coworker then, Pete, was a big McSweeney's reader. So he, I think he told me, oh, yeah, that guy does McSweeney's. I, I like McSweeney's. Mm. But, um, but uh, I just liked the title so much that I bought like five crazy and then they sold out in like two minutes unbelievable uh, yeah well it's interesting i mean when i the more and more i have these conversations about you know with literary agents and bookstore owners the book world is very similar to the music world right these and correct me if i'm wrong it seems to be you know these major publishers almost act as like major record labels Right. There's going to be books and artists specifically that they're going to push. Like you said, they're there. Right. The promotion. This is a major promotion. We're going to push this book hard. Um, You know, like in the heyday of the music business, you know, when Britney Spears released a new record, you know, Jive Records, whoever had her was pushing their money forward for, you know, and it's almost like one artist makes up the deficit for the 50 artists, other artists who don't sell anything. Um, Well, yeah. That, that's kind of an, an old truism of the publishing industry. That I think yeah. like old timers would say isn't true anymore, but okay. that old, like old, old time houses like FSG or something, they would have these tentpole authors who would sell, you know, 
tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of copies, which would allow them to publish. Yeah, the tentpole author thing, that's an interesting concept. I mean, you're literally talking about an author acting as a literal tentpole, <laughs> right? Holding yeah, up I a mean, tent. I think that's a movie term, isn't it? But, um, I don't know, actually. That, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, kind of like a Tom yeah. Cruise or something like that? Yeah, right. Uh, like, yeah, you got to have that one big name, and then you can bring everybody else in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so going back to running a bookstore, book buying. I, you know, you're talking to these major publishers, these reps, and things like that. Does Green Apple, or in your experience working in the bookstore, are there other bookstores that you, you know, not idolize but appreciate how they do their business? Do they do similar business? Are all bookstores kind of similar in that way? You know, I would say not, actually. Okay. Uh, one, you know, one of the problems, you know, with, with we have a national organization, the American Booksellers Association, mm-hmm. and they, you know, they work on all these initiatives to, you know, and they're very good. They're a great trade organization. You know, if the, uh, if the independent record store uh, group had had a trade organization as good as ours, there might be more record stores around. I mean, you guys are uh, the new record store. <laughs> yeah. You but, know? you know, we just, we have a great trade organization that really focuses on educating its membership and, and, you know, making sure they have good business practices and, you know, that, you know, our whole website is back end is due to the trade organization. We didn't build that ourselves. We couldn't have afforded that. You, um, when someone's buying a book on your website, you mean? Yeah, the whole the whole you know website is you know we're we're selling the book. Yeah, but but it's the American Booksellers Association. We subscribe to them and, and to their service, and they 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 built the whole infrastructure for our website, and we just put our template into it. Amazing. Okay, and, and that's th- true with most independent bookstores. So Very th- few have built their own website. So then that leads me to another question: How familiar familiar? are you with bookstores outside of the country? Do they operate the same kind of way? I mean, you know, when, when a book, let, let's just, I guess, stick with they're there. You know, when they're there is getting sold in the UK, um, are the reps running the same kind of spiel? Are they kind of doing the same thing or is it run differently outside of the country? You know, I assume it's probably fairly similar. Mm-hmm. The, the only thing I know about uh, uh book selling outside of the United States is um, one time I had a, you know, a publisher dinner. One of the nice things about being Fancy. in the book business is it's a very cordial business. Oh, most definitely. Have, you know, we get together, <laughs> we have meals and stuff. And, and I actually, we had a lunch with the, the Hachette, the American publisher Hachette is actually owned by a French company. Okay. And we had a lunch with the French CEO of the company. Okay. Uh, and he explained to me, and I think this is still true, that in French, because, you know, the French are very protective of their culture, mm-hmm. um, unlike in the United States. <laughs> they, fund, they fund the arts and all this. And bookstores in France are not allowed to discount books more than like 5% or something like that. Hmm. And so he said what that has led to is in France – a country probably about the size of California. He says they they service 10,000 different accounts um, in France. And that's because you can't undersell somebody. So so you can't, you you would never shop by price. You'd only shop by, by 
aesthetic. Huh. And so if you wanted to open a bookshop that, like, if you were a MMA fan, I'm going <laughs> to keep going back to fight kid, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you wanted to open up a little tiny kiosk bookshop that just focused on martial arts and, and boxing, and you carried, like, 400 titles... You could you could do that because nobody's selling those books for less than you are. So there's no reason for anybody to shop somewhere else besides your little tiny shop. Huh. And so it creates this diversity of of voices. I, I just think it's brilliant. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not brilliant for the consumer because they don't get to pay as little as possible. Mm-hmm. But you know, as we've all learned from Amazon and from everything going on in the economy now it's like this race to the paying as little as possible for everything isn't necessarily good for everybody no i mean for you probably don't know so uh, outside of writing books um i pay my rents but i own a dog walking business um Uh and i'm seeing it in my business um people are trying to undercut undercut franchising right Mm -hmm, absolutely um, yeah yeah and uh, as a business you know as a fellow business owner my whole mantra is just as long as i do the the job well i am worth the money being paid um you know it's when you start cutting corners and things like that and you know and well we don't have to get into it but yeah it's um yeah yeah owning a business is very interesting (laughs) the weird it's a weird parallel but it's exactly the same you're Mm -hmm. an independent you're an independent business person providing a service, yep. trying to provide a high level of service, yep. and you're being undercut by somebody who's paying as little as possible yep. to people, you know, desperate for the paycheck. Yep. And and yeah, no, that's just, that's happening everywhere. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> oh man. Um. All right. Let's keep it book focused. Um. I've always wanted to know. So, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> that was the ice. <laughs> Tinkling in my glass. Oh, okay. Yeah, Kevin is enjoying a nice beverage. I am not. I just got home from work, actually. Um, so when I did Fight Kid, um, I had a dream of, you know, one day doing, you know, a book signing or something like that. You have any memorable or favorite book signings or book readings from Green Apple specifically that you were attending? Well, book signings. Hmm. I mean, because you guys have some pretty heavy hitters come through there. We certainly have. Yeah. We certainly have. Um, when I first started there back in 87, I think we did Amy Tan's very first signing. Oh, wow. Although I, I have since asked her about that, and she seemed noncommittal, so I'm not <laughs> sure. But, but I remember we did this signing for the Joy Luck Club with like with like 500 copies. and um, But I don't know. Maybe she had done an event before that. Uh-huh. But um, let's see. Signings. You had Ali Wong in recently, right? Didn't she do a big signing for you? She didn't. She didn't do. She didn't want to do it publicly. Oh, but okay. We actually, we um, we actually had a nice little thing going with her where uh, she would. She she came in. Um, she actually came in when we first bought Browser. We were, we did a little meet the owners day. Okay. And she came into the store. And oh, I wow. said, Hey, you're Ali Wong. <laughs> <laughs> and this is when we'd first taken over the store and. They had ordered one copy of the book and it had already sold. That's so funny. Yeah, so like she was nice enough to say, "Well, here, you know, here, contact me when you get more." Okay. So we we ordered a bunch. She came into Green Apple and signed. They sold out immediately, and then we ordered like five hundred more, mm-hmm. and she and she came in and signed them. Yeah, so, I remember, yeah, I saw it on your Instagram page. Yeah, um, yeah, she was super nice. That's about cool. It. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
have you added some like local authors? I know like or I think did Oral Kwan do a signing of her book at your store? She's you know, she's been so great. She she um uh has been such a big like booster of our books on the park store. She, yes. She, yeah, she's a, she's done readings there, she's done interviews with other authors there. She's she's been great, along yeah. with Esme Wang. Like the books on the park store is where we when we opened that store six, seven years ago now, we we built it specifically um, to do events. So we don't really do a lot of events at the at the um, Clement Street store. Okay. Small. We'll do small, like local authors or something. But bigger ones, we definitely all do those. Do all of those at the uh, Books on the Park store. Yeah, you have and the little, this, you have the little more keen side, right? We are. What's that? Do you have like the little more keen side, or am I thinking of something else? So you have like that shows the author's name when you guys are doing signings. At oh the, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we, outside yeah and we built it like with this with this kind of state stepped seating in the kids section mm-hmm. and with tables that are on wheels so we can fit we we, we fit like 150 people in there we had john waters in there there yeah um, um f- and, actually uh, i funny funny story um I, what was the name of the, his last book um oh man i the, the hitchhiking book? No, John Waters is like unless I'm thinking of someone else, like the handlebar mustache. No, it's uh, not a handlebar; it's a little pencil. Yes, yes. Mustache. So yes. I, so I actually funny, or even I sold his book. Um, every year I used to do a gig. I used to sell merchandise at Great American Music Hall and Slims. Um, and every year at Great American Music Hall, he does like a Christmas thing. And the year, oh, okay. yeah, and the year I was working, I was selling his. He must have sold. He sold probably two hundred fifty, three hundred books that night. Oh sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, yeah. he's I, I love him so much. He's a character. He's so, he's so <laughs> down to earth yeah. and just like real. He's just, he's just, he's the nicest guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's come into the store and signed a couple of times, and he's That's just, cool. he's got. Zero bullshit in him. He's yeah, no, great. for sure. Well, yeah. another zero bullshit guy. Um, I just talked to Danny Bland, um, and he was—I mean, he was an absolute trip. You guys, you know, have been super supportive of him. Um, and it's just like you know, just you have to realize, like, you know, speaking as you know, uh, as a reader first, like your store will always act as a hub. Like I've met. You know, you're talking about people meeting for marriages. You know, I've met numerous friends just browsing at that bookstore. Um, yeah. you know, bookstores are always going to be the kind of place that you should feel comfortable in talking to a stranger, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. Picking up a book, you know, oh, why did you pick up that book? You know, oh, wh- what are you reading? Things like that. It sh- I feel like it should always be a conductor to informal conversation, um, even of with the course. people who work there. Yeah, yeah. When I when I was a younger bookseller, I I went to like this educational uh, seminar, and there were booksellers from around the country, and there were some booksellers from the tattered cover there. Mm-hmm. And somehow it came up; they mentioned that they had a store policy that at the register you were not allowed to like make any acknowledgement <laughs> of what the customer was buying. Interesting, um, huh? With, huh? You know, because it, it's a big store; it probably had two hundred and fifty, three hundred employees at the time, and you get that big, you can't control it. Of course. And it becomes corporate. And book buying is fraught. You know, people can expose themselves by buying <laughs> books about on very personal subjects. So obviously they must have had some interactions go wrong. Yeah. And so they just brought the hammer down and said, okay, this is the rule. 
But I, I remember thinking, like, that is so sad because, yeah. like, that's, like, the best part of being in the store. It's like somebody comes up with, with a book by Richard Powers and you say, oh, well, have you read this? And it's oh, like, oh, no, God. I haven't read that. And then you're, like, you're off and you've recommended three other books. And that's that's the whole point of going into a store. He actually might be coming on the podcast. Um, Get out of here. Yeah, really? I talked to him. So he, so I'm a huge fan of his. And I, I love the overstory. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, and you know, I, I prepped. You know, I, I prepped for this uh, podcast because yeah. I thought you'd ask me what I'm reading, and, well, well, so and I, I had to I had to kind of look at my bookshelf <laughs> and see what I read recently, and I. That's that was my pandemic reading book, and it was it was just fucking great. Oh, he's the fucking man. So well, cool yeah. because I emailed him, and he got back to me like four days later. Um, and we're gonna try to. He he literally lives on a mountain in like southern Appalachia. Um, I mean, okay. yeah, he is. You know, he is a. A heady guy, um, but he was uh, yeah, su- yeah, he is. yeah, yeah, but super, super responsive, and yeah, we're gonna try to make it happen. I mean, that would be a dream. Oh, good. Yeah, that would be a dream come true. Um, I also read. Uh, I loved Orfeo. Um, you know, I mean, he is. That was well. Overstory was the first book of his that I'd read. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, and Orfeo is fantastic. Um, yeah. I because th- yeah, Overstory won the Pulitzer. Did he win? An, did he win a National Book Award for, for anything or no? I- you know, to be honest, I don't know. I feel okay. like the it won everything. It did, yeah. Uh, it was I one mean. of those books. Uh, We're yeah, t- and I, I, I was kind of a little, I'd had it on my nightstand for a long time. I was a little intimidated by Very. it. And then, like, okay, okay pandemic. Now I, <laughs> now I can do it. I can just read this book. And, well, I mean, it's a 500-page yeah. book about trees, <laughs> literally. It, um, it, yeah, it's just amazing oh, the way he, he brings like he starts off like every chapter with a new character mm-hmm. and you're like is this is the whole book gonna be this way mm-hmm. and then slowly but surely mm-hmm. all those characters come together it was just it was really brilliant he is yeah. a monster writer yeah. <laughs> monster writer yeah it's so yeah. funny you brought that up um yeah yeah when he got back to me again like you know these are all cold call emails. So when you email a Pulitzer Prize winning author, you don't really expect. And I emailed him directly. I didn't even go through his agent. Um, and he, yeah, he shot me an email back. So we'll see. Um, you know, who knows? Uh, what Speaking are you? Uh, what's up? You had run into Adam Johnson. On oh, the street. and that's another story. Yeah. So are, uh, are you an Adam Johnson fan? I mean, you know, he's an SF. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, you know, I, Actually, he he hasn't had a book since Orphan Master's Son, has he? Uh, well, uh, was Fortune Smile? I think Fortune Smiles. Yeah, Fortune Smiles was after the Orphan Master's oh, Son. Yes, that's that one. Yeah, no, funny because I actually picked up <laughs> yeah. a, I picked up a signed copy of it from Green Apple. Um, yeah, he won the yeah. National Book Award for that. But no, I ran. He lives in my neighborhood, and I uh-huh. ran into him. I was dropping off dogs, and yeah. I saw him walking down the street, and I I was in my van, and I yelled at his name. And he yeah. turns around and he looked at me. And he's like, "Who the fuck are you?" <laughs> and yeah. you know, he, yeah. he was wearing like a sweatshirt and like a backpack. Um, and I was like, "You know." And the only reason I even knew it was him was because in the back of the hardcover Orphan Master's Son, or it might be Fortune uh, Smiles, he does an interview. And at the end of the interview, there's a little black and white photo of him, just his face. That's it. Okay. And off of that, I was able to recognize him. And the fact that I recognized him, I mean, he sat and talked to me for like 30 minutes. Yeah, um, he's, a, he's a really, really magnetic, oh, yeah. lovable guy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, so have you, actually had, have you had a chance to meet him and talk to he, him? He's come, he's, he brings his kids into the store. Awesome. Yeah, I haven't seen him in a while. Yeah. I, I, I think he's, since he won the Pulitzer, he, uh, he uh, um, you know, he's probably 
not in San Francisco as much as he is in San Francisco. Mm, yeah, uh, well, he he was telling he teaches at Stanford, I think, possibly. I'm not sure. As, I mean, he he did. I, I assume he's still on 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 the faculty there. Yeah, I got to tell you, we um we don't do them much anymore, but we used to do these videos for our our book of the month. Uh-huh. And the orphan master's son was our book of the month. Uh-huh. And you should go onto YouTube and look at our watch our video for the orphan master's son. <laughs> I'll put a link. He, yeah, he appears in the end of it, and oh. uh, and it's very funny. Yeah, no, it, it's you know he's a very unassuming guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, and again, and the the look on his the look on his face when I called out his name, he was just like, "Who on earth would know who who are you?" <laughs> Authors are, are lucky because they can be celebrities and still be anonymous for the most part, right? The other day, so I am, I'm tearing, I'm tr- I'm catching up. I'm tearing through as, every Cormac McCarthy book I possibly, everyone. Um, I got two of them left. I just finished, um, this morning, I just finished The Road, actually. Um, he's only done one interview ever with Oprah. And Is that right? Yeah, yeah. And there's oh, it's there's one video, and they edited down to like five minutes. And he's you know he's an old he's an older man at this point. Um, it's his first ever television appearance ever, and it's interesting. You can even see in his body language how uncomfortable he is. He's right, kinda, yeah, he's right. kind of like cowering. He's got his hand on his his head on his hand. Um, and I'm you know you read his books and he I think arguably he's the greatest living author we have. Um, and but you, again like you would never he would just be some old man walking down the street you would have no idea. Um, right. No. No sure. clue. Um, I'm not even sure I'd recognize him actually. Exactly. Yeah. It's exactly. Yeah. I'm, in fact, I'm pretty sure I wouldn't. I would just yeah because I've seen every I bet every picture I bet the last picture I saw of him was taken 25 years ago. <laughs> exactly. He probably had a mustache yeah. and a different wife, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. It's interesting, though, and I've talked about this with some other people, how, you know, as time goes on, and, you know, especially with social media and, you know, Instagram, and, you know, a lot of authors are very active on social media. Um, what are your thoughts, if any, you know, on authors kind of now, some of them, I, I won't say anyone specifically, but some authors kind of take up an a public image now almost, um, you know, the social image is almost as important as the books that they're writing at times. Do you ever see that? Or you kind of come across that with some authors? Well, the only thing I can say about that is publishers are putting less into promoting books than they used to. Uh-huh. And there's fewer venues. And if you've spent two years writing a book, yeah. then you have earned the right to do anything you can to oh, try to yeah. promote that, you know? It's just, it, it's just crazy. I mean, yeah, I, I, could you imagine Philip Roth on Twitter? <laughs> you know, if, if, if he was writing his first book now, he'd probably, he'd have to do something because he, mm-hmm. unless, unless his publisher, you know, Philip Roth was probably, I don't know. He probably actually was, a superstar right out of the gate. I don't. I don't, I don't know his first book. His first yeah, book? His, Goodbye Columbus. Yeah, it, it won the National uh, Book Award. Yeah, so he probably. I don't know where he came from. Yeah. If he was like in a writing program, or if he was writing short stories for the New Yorker, how, or if the book was just so good, his publisher yeah. just decided to promote a first author right from the start. Yeah. I, I have no idea about that, but um, he might be an exception as far because there are still authors who their first novel. Is huge. Well, let and me uh, well let me ask you a question about that. 
are there publishers who will push first-time authors hard? And if so, what goes behind that? I mean, are there certain accolades you need to have to have, certain, you know, MFA degrees? Did you have to go to Breadloaf? You know, like, what makes a first-time author get pushed real hard by a publisher? Yeah, well, there's probably a bunch of different um, ways that happens. If the book is just really good, like they're there, mm-hmm. um, and the publisher really believes in it, yeah. then they'll put dollars behind it. Yeah, which you know that helps. Yeah, but uh, maybe it's a maybe it's not. Maybe the publishers agreed to publish it, but they're not necessarily putting a huge budget behind it, mm-hmm. and. But the you know the author has a lot of connections because he's been like you said going to these conferences, going mm-hmm. to staying at bread loaf and mm-hmm. whatnot, and knows and, and is going to get reviewed in all these all these journals, and mm-hmm. it's going to build that way. Mm-hmm. You know, there's I think there's a lot of different ways that the first time authors break through. Yeah, uh, sometimes it happens really slowly, mm-hmm. like uh, or you know, I, I think this, maybe this is a bad example, but I'm thinking of. Uh, the where the crawdads sing. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, which, which is a was book, that Jasmine I mean, Ward? The, no, who was that? That was uh, oh, I forget. Uh, what is the author's name? Yeah, for, <laughs> I, I know the book. Yeah, uh, I know. Yeah. So, so that one—that's not a, the best example because I think that was picked by Reese Witherspoon as her book club book. And that but, helps. <laughs> it's an example of a book that came out, sold almost nothing. Uh huh. I think we, you know, maybe the publisher liked it and we ordered five copies, put it on a table, sold two or three, yeah. and then put one in the section. Yeah. And then a couple months later, sold another one, then a couple months later, sold two. And then next thing you know, it's back on the table, and then next thing you know, it's like never coming out in paperback because it's selling so well. Unbelievable. And, and, and that's that's a word-of-mouth thing Yeah. Uh, that happens every once in a while. Um, that, uh, you know, there's just, you know, there's just a lot of different ways that, that books get put into people's hands. Yeah, I mean, in today, but, in, well, in today's world, I mean, I don't know if you listen or are familiar with Joe Rogan and his podcast, but I mean, if he mentions your book on the podcast, the next day it's sold out on Amazon. Um, sure. He, he had a guy, right. and I, it was a great book. I don't know if you read any nonfiction, um, and I couldn't get it because you guys were sold out of it. Um, it was called Empire of the Summer Moon, um, and it's about the Comanche Indians. Sure, um, right. Yeah, yeah, and, and it was but the author is S.C. Gwynn, and right. he, Rogan, met, the, the day he mentioned he was reading this book, that night, it sold out in every single copy possible. Um, yeah. and then, and then he brought the guy onto the podcast and he right. talks about, he was like, dude, he was like, I had no idea. I'm sitting at home and all of a sudden I get an email from like my agent saying, Hey, Joe Rogan just mentioned you and you sold out every single copy of your book. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That, that's, that's one way it happens. Yeah. yeah there's, you know, what we call influencers, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. People who, 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 um, who mentioned your name and yeah. everybody's got to know, obviously fresh air is huge. You know, if you're on fresh air and you, you're in the New York times book yeah. review, you're in the New Yorker. I mean, it's just, you know, but that's, you know, everybody's fighting for those few channels, I guess. Most definitely. Um, but it's, yeah. it's, just, it's amazing how something can literally overnight just pop, you know? Um, yeah. And with books, it's, it's different than music, right? Cause with a hit song, I mean, you know, within two minutes, three minutes if it's a hit, you know, within 10 seconds, um, you know, books you have to spend time with. Um, so to get the kind of recognition behind a book and to have that kind of, you know, overnight success really kind of talks about, you know, how, of course, yeah, how influenced people to, really are. Somebody has to recommend it. I mean, yeah. for the most part, 
people, you know, I don't know what, like if, if you walk into Green Apple and you don't know what book you want mm-hmm. to read and you're just kind of scanning the tables, you know, you're going to look at the shelf talkers, you're going to look at the cover, mm-hmm. but what makes you just pick up this one book? Yeah. You know, it's, it's a mystery and, uh, you know, it, it, it'll never be, it'll never be a science. It'll yeah. always be a metaphysical interaction. Yeah, and as a writer myself, you know, and I've talked about this with other writers, it's, you know, you spend two years writing your book, you know, if you're able to get it published through a big publishing house, you know, however long that process takes, and maybe you can shine some light on that, actually. But, um, and then great, now your book's on the shelf, and some, you know, schmuck like me walks in, reads the first two sentences, and then I don't like it, and I just put it down. You know, that's what we're dealing with, with books. Um, as a writer, you know, as an author, you have to capture people on the first sentence. Um, it's very fickle that way. Uh, it's, you know, again, unlike music, where with music, and you know, if you don't like a song, you know you don't like a song, you just go to the next one. Um, with books, you know, as a book, as again, as a person who buys books also, uh, you know, I've walked into plenty of bookstores, and I've picked up a copy of a book that someone had recommended. I read the first page. And I'm like, I just don't really like this, you know? And, yeah. you, and you can't even give it the chance because books take time. <laughs> yeah. You know, it takes yeah, time. Yeah. I gotta say, I've never, I've never read a book like that. I've, I've basically, uh, you know, for whatever the alchemy is that makes me decide I'm going to give this book a try. Mm-hmm. Once I've made that decision, then I, and I give it at least like forty or fifty pages. I don't. I don't feel obligated to finish every book, but I, I would. Um, I, you know, I guess also I'm not like a customer walking into a bookstore with no idea what I'm looking for. Well, that's so. what I was talking about. I mean, yeah. if you're someone who you don't know, and you you know you just like the yeah. cover of this book, and you pick sure, it yeah. up. That right. that you know, obviously, if you're going in there for you know the overstory, you kind of know what you're getting into. Uh, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, but again, and also with the you know. With my first book, I had to learn all about you know cover illustration too. Um, you Absolutely. know, a, a lot yeah. of a lot of work goes behind these covers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot of work. I mean, because that's what you know. Again, when you're walking into Green Apple, you know, these covers they, they got to catch your eye. Um, they do absolutely. Even the binding. I see so many self-published books with bad covers. Oh, it's gross. Like, oh, you should have asked somebody. Gross. You know, I know. Just, don't just do the Photoshop. Mm-hmm. Just you know, you wrote the book, you took mm-hmm. however long to write the book, and then you spent five minutes mm-hmm. on the cover. And, mm-hmm. Oh, that's not good. It's yeah. gross. You know, it's it's like it's like shopping for food when there's like plastic displays of the food in the window. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's just like it turns you exactly. off. Yeah, it, it turns you <laughs> off. Um, well, man, I mean, we, we went we went longer than, you know, we planned. Um, we can keep going if you want or we'd love to have you back on. Um, I know you're a busy guy, uh, but. Yeah, I mean, totally up to you. We can get going if you want. Let's 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 give it five more minutes. How's yeah, that? sure. Yeah, no, most definitely. All right. Um, so I again, I, I kind of I'm kind of a little bit obsessed with the book buying aspect of bookstores. Um, you yeah. had said a little bit earlier about a bookstore. I forget the name, the one you named, but they 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 had instituted a policy where once you got to the counter, no dialogue can be exchanged about the purchase. Yeah, that was tattered cover. Okay. Yeah, just yeah, it's just. Yeah, they didn't want any. They didn't want any anybody putting their foot in their mouth. Yeah, yeah. Well, so what, what I was going to ask is, um, you you know, you said it's a, you know sometimes it's an emotional thing. Are book buyers buying the books that they want to read? <laughs> I mean, you know, what is what exactly is that job? Yeah, um, 
No. You know, you know what it is? Is um, a good book buyer yeah. for any particular store is is a conduit for the customers of that store. Yes. And so you, you, from time and experience, know what kind of books your customers like. Mm-hmm. And you, ha- you know, you have your own personal bias. You, you know, you happen to be into. I'm going to keep coming back to you. You happen to be into MMA. Sure, yeah. And the author of this book comes in and you make a little connection. You're like, I'm going to put that book on a table. Mm-hmm. I like it. Yes. Maybe the customers of the store don't give a shit about MMA yeah, and yeah. they're not going to sell any. But, you know, you're, you you take a little chance and you put things that uh, that interest you on the, on the tables. Definitely. On display. But if you only do that and your customers don't care about what you care about, you're going to go out of business. <laughs> Without a doubt. It's just as simple as that. Yes. So what you got to do is know like my customers love like at green apple. I know that my customers love cookbooks. I can buy like the weirder, the better, like the more esoteric professional, you know, narrow, you know, uh, international cuisine. We can sell it. That's awesome. And, and, um, and so I just know that I can take a big, I can take a big chance on different kinds of cookbooks. Mm -hmm. Whereas other topics, you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna buy the new Michael Savage book because my customers don't want that. Mm-hmm. It's, and 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 you know the the the, the right wingers would would accuse me of censorship, but it's not censorship. It's business. capitalism. Yeah, it's business. It's capitalism. <laughs> it's, it's pure it's, business. Which is always my response. Like when somebody comes in and says, "How come you don't carry Rush Limbaugh's books <laughs> or Sean Hannity?" It's like. Because I'm a capitalist, yeah, exactly. and I want to make money. And it blow it blows my mind how people just can't understand that simple concept. Like if you own yeah. if you owned a bookstore in I'm like Arkansas, you know you're not gonna, you're not going to sell a lot of Rachel Maddow books. You no, know, <laughs> I, and, and if that's all I did, if I insisted on not carrying John Hannity and only carrying you know uh, anti-Trump books, uh-huh. fine, I can shut the doors after six <laughs> exactly, months. Exactly. Yeah. But, yeah. But um. But. You know, so it's so it's a combination of both those things. Yeah. You know, so it's the things you like, you want to champion. You yeah. know, like, and, and which is really important because there's books that you know are good that your customers have never heard of, and uh, and you put them out there and and they trust you. Mm-hmm. You you actually asked me earlier about the differences between different bookstores. Yes, and they're buying and uh, Green Apple's a generalist store. We carry we carry pretty much anything that people want to buy. Okay, you know. I remember when Sarah Palin's book first book came out after, you know, she has her, more than one. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe it was only one. Okay, maybe you're okay, right. okay. But, but I, I remember I was the buyer at that point and I thought, you know, people are going to want to buy this book. Yeah. Like I think people are going to be interested. So, yeah. uh, what we did is we put it on display and we, we, uh, we put a little shelf talker on it that said that 100 percent of the proceeds will be donated to uh, an organization that uh, works to prevent aerial hunting of wolves. <laughs> and and it was great because the book was available. Uh-huh. You could buy it from us if you wanted, but you also understood that the you know that we were making a political point. Amazing. But we weren't not carrying it. We don't <laughs> not carry books based upon their content. Mm-hmm. I mean, and we're we're very adamant about that. You know. Um, that goes for the right and the left. But um, like, well, like for instance, you sell a copy of Infinite Jest, you're going to put another copy of Infinite Jest right back on the shelf, right? I mean, there's going to be books that you're going to always be selling no matter what. 
as long as they keep selling, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and there's sometimes books that don't sell that we carry, you know, because mm-hmm. we think we should have it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was going to mention earlier, City Lights is a store that um, they do a lot more curating. Yes, they, I'm they actually, well aware. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, they would actually say they stand behind every book they sell. Yes. I think they would say that. We don't say that. Yeah. We sell a lot of crap. Mm-hmm. We sell a lot of books by people who are awful human beings. <laughs> um, we do not, I don't even know like what a lot of the authors of the books that we sell are up to in their private time. Most definitely. And I don't really care. That's on your business. Uh, unless they're, you know, advocating, you know, violence against of course. humans. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but City Lights, uh, they actually... I think they would actually say that they only sell books that they think are good. Mm-hmm. And so if something is bad, uh, <laughs> not to mention any specific examples, but, you know, poorly written novel that's selling well, yeah. they might not carry it. Yeah. I think. I don't want to speak for them, but I think they might not. I think they'd say, no, that's just not our kind of book. I mean, I don't Even think though, you can't buy a Stephen King book there, I don't think. You can't buy J.K. Rowling. There. Yeah, exactly. Um yeah, but, but you know, but that's fine. And, you, and there's also, um, I don't know if you know, Folio Books down in Noe Valley. Um, they're same kind of thing. You know, it's a very curated, um, exact because they have a certain clientele. So you say you yeah. can buy as many cookbooks as you want and sell them. You know, I'm sure they can buy you know as many you know X book and sell those because of the people who sure. live there. Um, right. Um, yeah. yeah, and you guys were great when, the, when, when you know. I don't want to harp on the pandemic, but when the whole pandemic kind of hit, you know, you guys were your website was super easy to use. I mean, I would get books from you guys in a day or two. Um, well, thanks. Yeah, yeah no, that, it, it was huge. That was that was a challenge, but thank you for that. Yeah, no, I think and you're being too kind. Yeah, no, and I bought all the shirts. I did everything. Um, yeah. All right, Kevin, I feel like we could talk for hours. Um, let's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's let's end here. Fun. Maybe we'll get you back on the podcast. Um, do you want to? Is there anything kind of coming up in Green Apple's fu- immediate future? Or I, I guess events aren't really happening. Um, is there anything you want well, to we're kind doing, of? We're doing the Zoom. Oh, and, okay. And, you know, the the good thing about the Zoom events is. Uh, because nobody has to travel, we can actually do events with kind of, you know, bigger name authors. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even know what we've got coming up, but, uh, can but people check, is it on the website? It's all on the website. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And make sure you, um, green apple has great, very active Instagram account. Um, whoever, I think yeah, our social media, mm-hmm. we kill it with the social yeah, media. No, you Instagram guys, and, you guys have been yeah. Great. All right, cool. Kevin, dude, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us. Um, I'm sure I'm going to think about a thousand other questions as soon as we get off. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah but Good again, with so, Richard Powers. Oh, well, yeah, I will trust me. I will let you know what's going on with yeah. that for sure. Uh, all right, cool. Everyone, this was Kevin, hey. the owner of Green Apple Books. Um, thanks for hanging in for another episode of Writing Friction, and uh, we'll see you all again next time. Thanks.